Okay, they tell me that we are on. So, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church Bible Study. And uh, we're going to start with some hymns. Now, someone emailed me this week with potentially a really good idea. He says, I can put this so that you can play the music and I kind of sing along with the music. And uh, so we'll try to get something like that set up. In the meantime, we do it the old-fashioned way. And I'm going to turn my mic on so it doesn't sound like I'm the only one singing. Turn my mic off, I should say. Page 11. Don't let me forget to pray before we start reading the Bible. 11. 11. In your all-American church hymnal. This one we sang out of when I was a kid. Okay, EGB. So there's a B flat. B flat. B flat. So we're going to make a joyful noise. What about it? Turn on the, turn on the mic, it's on. Okay. It's you, really, really loud. Just go ahead and turn your mic. Okay. Turn mine on? Yes. Okay, it's going to be a solo then. <clears throat> we need to turn the... Uh, <clears throat> turn the... Uh, trim. You can probably turn the trim on this up on the board... And then it'll pick it up from further away. Doug? My audio guy couldn't be here tonight. So we have several people absent. Okay, here. Let me turn it off. I'd prefer to do it this way. That way you hear everybody instead of just me. How's that? Turn the trim up. That's the little gray knob on the top, I think. You got it? Okay, excellent. B flat. That's this one. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. You guys got to sing. Seek to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises ring. Love so mighty and so true, by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Got it all messed up. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Souls in danger look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. 
He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All right. <clears throat> now I will swip, switch. This sounds like a motorcycle outside of our door here. All right. So <clears throat> let's pray, and then we're gonna. We well, a lot of times we'll sing two or three songs, but that'll be enough for tonight. Uh, so we're in John chapter six. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Why read the Bible? Well, I need the Bible study. If nobody else shows up, I need it because I need to continually read the Bible because if I don't, then I start forgetting it. It just leaks out. Well, come on in. You want to sit over by your hubby? Can you go around the camera? Um... And it changes our world perspective. You know, some people have a worldly viewpoint. Some people have a, a Christian point of view. And there's a few of us that have a Christian point of view and a prophetic point of view. So reading the Bible changes their attitude. So let's pray. First of all, Lord, you did say that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And we gather in your name. And you are... Great and marvelous. And so, Lord, we ask that you would, since you, wisdom and might are yours, you change the times and seasons, you removeth kings and setteth up kings, you giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding, you revealeth the deep and secret things, you knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. So, Lord, we ask you to open your scriptures to us, show us the deep and secret things, help us to see those things that are not easily seen, understand those things that are not easily understood and help us to remember, help us to use this to win souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I hope John's coming back. All right, so here we go. We're in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. In your King James Bible. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. And I've been on that sea. Leslie and I spent the night on Tiberias. And I believe that very soon we're going to be going to Israel. And one of the places that I definitely want to visit is Tiberias again. And one of the places I will consider staying, I don't know if it would be temporary or long term, would be Tiberias. It's absolutely gorgeous in Tiberias. It's one of the, the most beautiful places on earth I've ever been. Which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Okay, so it's about this time of the year, actually. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
And this he said to prove him, for he he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men to sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men that sat down in the number about 5,000. One of the tours that we were on, we believe we went to, I mean, you never know. But when you're there, you know, you kind of look around and you ask yourself, okay, where would probably 5,000 people sit in such a way to where, John, can you turn the temperature? Okay, it just turned off. Just getting cold in here. It turned off, so I'm fine. Where would they, where 5,000 people sat down in such a way to where they could hear one man talk? And there's not a lot of places that you could set 5,000 people where they could all hear one person talk. And so the tour guide, great guy, he said, this is one, uh, he explained that there's three different levels of certainty. The low level of certainty is well, you know, this is probably not where Jesus was born, but this is Bethlehem, so someplace around here is where Jesus was born. Then there's a level two is saying, well, we we don't know for certain if it was this hill or if it's that hill that the Mount of the Sermon of Beatitudes was preached on, but it was probably one of these hill, hills. Then there's a number one place where we know what he said was, we know that this is the temple. There's no question. We know that these were the steps leading up to the temple. And so this is the number one. There is absolutely no question this step, step, these steps of stone, Jesus did walk up these stones. There is no question. He did walk here when he was here. Now, back to what we're trying to say here. So, in this place, probably we were sitting there. Probably. It was, if it wasn't there, it was real close to there. And there were several places like that. And one of the things, our tour, because ours was an archaeology tour, because Leslie and I had gone in 1991 with Ron Wyatt to see all of these archaeological discoveries. So many times on the tour, we could say, okay, this is the number one. Many times we'd say, okay, this is number two. If it wasn't exactly here, it was close. Like, for example, Ron Wyatt, we went, he took us down into a tunnel. Don't ask me. I couldn't find that tunnel again for my life. But we were in a tunnel, and I, those days we were doing good to have a VHS recorder. And I pulled it up, and the lens started fogging up because it was cool in the and moist in the cave. And he said, you're within a stone's throw of where the Ark of the Covenant is still located. And I thought, yeah. So, I, you know, I, this is the guy that found it. I believe he really found it. Okay, so anyway. So he says, make the men to sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. 
and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Okay, so what's the extra inference here? The extra inference is that none of those people that are coming to Jesus will be lost. Jesus said another time, All that the Father has given to me will come to me, and no one can pluck them out of my hand. So if your name is in the book of life, he's calling you. Now, I also believe that we can take our name out of the book of life. We're the only one can, he can put it in. You might say we're the only one can put it in. We're the only ones that can take it out. Well, welcome. Have a seat. And I knew I should have. Okay, well, this is a good problem. Let's slide that table forward, and that'll give her room to set too. Just two, two people grab that. Yep, there you go. See, we were prepared. Just slide this off, and there's another place for another person. And if we get another person, we got more tables. We got more chairs. Okay, so we are in 12. Let's reread 12. We're in John 6, 12. John 6, 12. She needs a biblical. On the ideal, we bring our King James Bible to our King James Bible study. Okay. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves. Why twelve? Well, twelve is all through the Bible. You know, there's twelve tribes. There's uh, twelve thousand of each of the tribes gathered in the last days that makes up the 144,000. There were twelve disciples. So... I think it's interesting. Now, what about the five barley loaves? Remember that David, when he picked up, he picked up five smooth stones, and one of those stones, a stone that represents Jesus, because Jesus is the rock, is what hit him in the forehead, knocked him out, and Jesus, and then David went over and cut his head off. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Let me say something else. You know, a, a person wants to think that they could just sit down and read the Bible. I'll just read it myself and I'll understand it. Yeah, well, here's the problem with that. Because it's deep, and a lot of times reading it ourselves, we can get off on some tangents, we can get off into some crazy thinking. So it's important to get into a Bible study where someone been doing a Bible study for a long time that can really teach you the truth, help you to understand. Because, like, for example, how many people would have seen that about the 12 fragments? We'd have just read right on, you know. 14. Then those men, <clears throat> when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, says, this is of a truth, that a prophet should come unto the world. You see... Moses prophesied that there's going to be another prophet that would come, and him you would hear. Well, somebody did hear, but Lot didn't either. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. See, because Israel at this time was in bondage. The Romans had conquered them, and they were, it would be kind of like, if you imagine that if America were to fall and the Russians take over 
not kill everybody. I mean, eventually some of them are live, and so the Russians would be in control. Well, this is what's happened in this case to, to Israel. The Romans had come in and conquered them, and so they were subject to the Romans. They had to do what the Romans told them to do. And in this case, the people were so impressed with Jesus and his miracles, what he was saying, he said, they were saying, let's just make him king. Even though he didn't want to be king, let's force him to be king. And so he just departed. <laughs> he probably just disappeared when they weren't looking. He just gone because that's not when he was supposed to be king. He's coming this time as a lamb, the lamb of God. He was born where the sacrificial lambs were. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes like sacrificial lambs were. He came to die on the cross so that his blood would break the hold that Satan had on the world. When that blood hit the Ark of the Covenant, it broke Satan's back. Satan thought he would kill Jesus, and then by killing the master's son, he would get the kingdom. But he didn't understand. By sacrificing Jesus, it broke. And it, his, when his blood hit the sacrifice, well, Jesus is worthy to, to take the book and open the seals there because he was slain as redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation and has made us under our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. When his blood hit the Ark of the Covenant, those that accept that blood become a king and a priest and reign over the earth for a thousand years. That's pretty good stuff, huh? You wouldn't get that on your own. That's why we come to a Bible study. Okay, so anyway, 15, we'll read it again. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force, take him by force and make him, he's gonna, we're going to make him be a king, he departed again into the mountain alone, himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down to the sea and entered into a ship, went over to the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come, to them, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty and thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. Okay, we've heard about these ghosts. Now we are seeing one, and that's what they're thinking. They look up and they see Jesus out here in the dark. For him walking on the sea, my guess is he probably was using a little bit of God's glory to walk on the sea. My guess is he was probably glowing. So it's dark. The wind's tossing. They look out and they see this man walking on the water. Bible doesn't say it, but probably he was glowing. So they're thinking what? A ghost. Right? Okay. They're thinking it's a ghost. Drawing nigh to the ship and they were afraid. But he said to them... It is I, be not afraid. Can you imagine you're walking with God? This is God in the flesh. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus is the flesh part of God. The Father is the light. The Father is the brain of it all. And then the Holy Spirit is the spirit of it. So Jesus is the flesh. God is the Father or the brain, you might say, and then the Holy Spirit is the spirit part of it. So 
Jesus is walking on the water, so we have God walking on the water, and he's glowing, and they're, they're freaking out. It is I, be not afraid, verse 21. Then we willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land, whither they went. Did you catch that? You read right by it. What did he say? Immediately. Okay, so apparently they're out in the middle of this big lake, the Sea of Galilee. The wind is tossing. They left. It tells how far they, they rowed out. What was it? 25 furlongs? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how long a furlong is, but my guess it's it's probably like, I don't know, mile or two out into the, 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 the sea. Jesus comes walking, he's glowing, he's walking on the water. <laughs> they see this and they, they start having conniptions. What is this? This, you know, it's a ghost? A furlong Jesus. is 660 feet. Okay. How, now multiply that out. How many, how many furlongs was it? 650 times 30. Uh, almost 9, almost 20,000, 19,000. 20,000 feet. So that's, there's about 5,000 feet to a mile, so that's about four miles out. Mm-hmm. They're about four miles out into the Sea of Galilee, if we've got <clears throat> our numbers right. So that means they're four miles from the shore, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If he, it, it may be even further than that, depends on which shore they're going to. But it says here, they willing received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land wherewith they went. probably 30 miles away. Doesn't say. But what it does say is they didn't have to row to shore. Now all of a sudden, instantly, they're at the shore. And they question whether Jesus is God. They question that. If you just read what it says. 22. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one wherewith his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit, there came the boats from the Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that, the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they found him not on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? What's going on? What's going on? So the disciples get in a ship. They row the ship out about four miles into the sea. The next day, of course, it arrives on the, on the seashore. We don't know which side of the, shore, the seashore. The next day, they said, how'd you get over here? Because we saw the ship leave without you. How'd you get over here? Essentially, we, you know, it doesn't fill in all the blanks for us, but it is saying uh, something happened that we don't, that we can't explain. How'd you get over here? Or, on the other side, they might be saying, where were you? Oh, you're, you didn't get on the a boat with them. How'd you get over there? So there's... How'd you get to be where you... Maybe there, there is a time machine, right? You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Maybe there's wormholes. No, Jesus just went where he wanted. Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily. Here's that double thing, verily, verily again. That means it repeats twice. Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you see the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. So many times people, I remember Sean uh, in the church in Topeka, one Sunday he said, we're going to meet out at the the zoo. He told me later, I said, you switched the church to meet at the zoo? He said, yeah. He said, we had the biggest attendance we'd ever had. So they go to the zoo, but they won't go to a church building? And here they, they show up for the food. Not for the spiritual food, but they show up for the free food, which is why I caution people to do Bible studies, not to start having cake and ice cream at your Bible studies. It's not about cake and ice cream. It's about feeding us spiritually. 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that hath the Father see escape. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? In other words, how do we do these miracles? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe what thou, what doest thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, means it's going to repeat, I say unto you, Moses gave you not bread, from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. What's he talking about? That's right. You said the right word. Himself. Himself. He's taught. He is the bread of life. You eat him, and that doesn't mean just the unleavened bread. But we do. We do. Like Leslie says, a prophetic act. That's what taking communion is. It's a prophetic act of receiving His body, His unleavened, perfect body receiving his blood that was shed for us. It's a prophetic act. But it's also a picture of receiving his blood to wash us clean. 33. For the bread of life is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Do you know how to turn that thermostat up? I don't know about you, but I'm freezing. Just bump it up. No, the one on the, in the hall. One, one, just push it one degree up and I'll probably be happy. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Okay, let's talk about that. So what's he saying that he is the bread of life? He's saying several things. Again, very rarely it repeats. It's repeat. everything, Almost everything in the Bible repeats. So if we receive Jesus, we've received eternal life. But is there a second play of that? Anyone... Is there a second play of that? And saw a pure river of water of life, clear crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, bearing twelve manner of fruit, and the leaves of the tree were for, and yielded its fruits each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So there is a time where we're going to eat another kind of a fruit. But, but Jesus is the fruit, yes, we may, we may receive the salvation which gives us eternal life, but 
is is it activated yet? Well, In other words, are we using eternal life yet? No. No, but I mean... So in other I, words, that's to come. Well, in that the full fulfillment of that is when the morning star hits us and out of our belly flows rivers of living water. But I also think by accepting Jesus, like in, in the more we come into Bible study, the more word we get in us, the closer we get to him because he said, faith cometh by hearing. There you go. And hearing by the word of God. So when we come into a Bible study, we are getting more of the word in us that helps us to get closer to him in our prayer closet then we know him better and we know how to worship him and he starts changing our attitudes he will lead us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake so when we're a christian we know we don't vote for someone that believes in transgender we don't vote for someone that believes that everybody should have an abortion anytime we don't vote for democrat okay I might add Republicans not a whole lot better, but in other words, he leads us into the paths of his of the way he would have us to go. I was thinking today, I thought, you know, I can remember when I was dying, I accepted Jesus. But I can also remember when I was three or four, I know I was not in school, I could take you to the very place in the the, the spot in the a church in Parker Heights Christian Church in Odessa, Texas when I was about five, four years old, something like that. We were singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. I can remember singing that as a child for the Bible tells me so. And I just wonder if that was when I accepted Jesus. But I was sitting there and it was like I, I had an understanding of God. And that was the first time I had an understanding of God. And then I think back later in some of the days when I really wasn't walking with God. I wasn't in Bible study. I wasn't going to church very much. You know, we probably all have those days. But he had still put in my heart the do's and do nots. And I look back and I thought, you know, man, boy, I could have really done this, this really bad thing. But I remember in my heart he was telling me, nah. He was leading me for his name's sake because I claimed him. And so if a person will just accept God, just accept Jesus, and that, that's the reason a lot of times I end my program and I say just ask Jesus to forgive your sins because that's the first step. And then ask him to be your God. We don't need a whole lot of real technical, long, fancy prayers. Jesus, forgive me. Three words. And it starts there. And then everything else begins to happen from there. Okay, let's go. That's what happened with the woman at the well. Um, He did not really prophesy to her or... You know, she, he, he, she had to have her permission. He said, if you asked of me, if you would ask of me, you know, this water. Right. So she had to ask him for that, for that to become a part of her life. Give me of the yeah. water. Yeah. Okay. Turned off, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, I think we're in 35, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Let's start 30. 
I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In other words, he's talking about in the eternity. When we have glorified body, we never hunger again, thirst again, never sin again. Okay. But I said, but I say unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. There it is. We we're talking about that. All the Father shall give to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven. Now, that's really important. Think about this. That means if a person says, I want to find the real God, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, if they will simply say, show yourself. I want to find the real God. God's going to show up. He'll show them. Um, I just want to testify that what you're reading and what you're saying is absolutely the truth. I know that today a lot of people think it's like words in a book, but when I was, I had been maybe 17, um, I was sitting on my bed, wide awake, like we are at this table. And the next moment, I was completely somewhere else. And I saw, I saw that river of life. God took me there. Um, I saw the river of life. I saw someone drinking out of it. And before that, I was shown a glorified body, what it looked like. I saw it spinning around, um, really beautiful. I knew what this person looked like um, in their life as they had gotten older. And it looked like a much younger version (laughs) um, of them. But this is the absolute true word of God. And this is what he has for people. And this is what is to come. And this, these are true words. So what did the glorified body look like? <laughs> um, it was spinning around. It was lifted up. Um, it looked like it was radiating and really, really glowing. And I could tell there was not a spirit inside of it. It was waiting for that person for when they would go to heaven. Um, kind of like an empty shell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was waiting for them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll go to 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I am come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all he, all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up the last day. That is, unless you believe in a pre-trib rapture. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? Mm. Can you tell I hate the pre-trib rapture? It has caused me more trouble. I believe it's people won't. We, we don't need to hear none of that into today or that negative stuff because we're going into pre-trib rapture. Yeah, well, good luck on that. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? 
Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, there's those two words. That means this is going to repeat again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Okay, what's he saying? If you believe on me, you have everlasting life. Now, you don't get that everlasting life immediately, but wait a minute, yes, you do. It's like a reservation, but you don't get it until that morning star hits you. And I believe that morning star hits everybody at once. To the tares, that holiness, that light, that energy hits them and they have sin, they fall to ground, a pile of ashes and bones destroying both body and soul. But as it hits us, dead in Christ rise first. I believe that literally the dead come out of the earth and then that glory hits in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Matthew 24 says, As lightning shineth even out of the east unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe it's just like that. It's, it's a whoosh. Faster than you can blink an eye. The tares are destroyed. We get our mantles, our crowns, our rewards, our glorified body instantly. At that moment, that, that split second, for us, eternity has begun. We never sin again, hunger again, thirst again. The sun doesn't light on us. And he that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. I write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down from heaven. Uh, and I write upon him my new name. Wow. All in an instant. We get all of that in an instant. And we are then made the kings and priests. We will reign with him. For a thousand years. Why is it we reign for a thousand years? Because those the nations are allowed to live up to a thousand years. We rule over the nations. We don't rule over each other because we can't sin again. But we rule over the nations. Those are the people that didn't receive Jesus, but they didn't take the mark of the beast either. They're allowed to live for up to a thousand years. Or if they sin, because Jesus rules with a rod of iron. They sin one of the morning star judges shows up at the, the speed of thought, which is faster than the speed of light, hits them with the morning star, they fall to the ground, pile of ashes and bones, instant judgment. No more sin on the earth at that point. No more sin, no more judgment. They're already judged on a thousand years or, well, I'm getting off that or I'll get into prophecy. I'm already into prophecy. Let me get back to this. I lost my place. Where was I? 48? Back up 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. So we get everlasting life. It depends on when you want to say it. Was that when our name was written in the book of life from the foundation of the world? Was that when we asked Jesus into our heart? Was that when we die or when the morning star actually hits us? Well, you might say one's a reservation and one is actually arriving at the hotel, you know. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This, speaking of himself, is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. 
I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, the Jews sitting there listening to this and saying, you know, because it's going over their head. It's, 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 I'll put it this way. Have you ever tried to talk to a Jew about Jesus? You may as well be talking to a telephone pole. They absolutely will not hear you. And there's so many people out there to us. But why can't you accept Jesus? Why can't you see the plan of salvation? Why can't you understand? It's like you're talking another language. You're talking Greek. They can't even understand it. They really, they can't understand. Verse 52 says, And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, they're not understanding the spiritual connotations. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, here it is again, another repeating, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. We see past that. We understand he was talking about, you've got to receive me for my blood to wash your sins away. My sacrifice of me being nailed to the cross to to account for your sins, to redeem you. 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. But see, the institution of communion where they eat the unleavened bread and drink the wine had not been instituted yet. It just said the Passover is just coming up. So we hadn't even got to the Passover, and that might not even be the last Passover. So it's that hasn't they don't understand. He's talking about the future. But they're trying to understand him in the flesh. And he's talking spiritually. But we, with a name in the book of life, we get it. We understand. Why can't you understand? They can't understand. 55. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. I mean, I can understand someone sitting there listening to this can't get it. But I also see how someone that sees the spiritual angle of it says, I don't understand why you don't get it. Why is it so complicated? You can't understand that. He that eateth my flesh, 56, and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. And the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. But see, this is the verily, verily. He's speaking once, but he's speaking, he's speaking flesh, but he's speaking spirit. They see the flesh, they can't understand the spirit. 57, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread of life which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread, speaking of himself, shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said, Ah, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Even people that have been gathered out at the Sermon on the Mount that sat in the grass, that ate the fish, that were listening to what he said, it still, it didn't catch. 
we want to believe that maybe it maybe it caught later. But I cannot tell you how many times I've dropped to my knee in my prayer closet and I've said, Father, thank you for writing my name in the book of life. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for coming and getting me. Several times, I might add. <laughs> there were times when I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm never going to heaven. You know, wow. anybody ever felt that? Yeah. You ever felt that? Yes. No, I've sinned too much. You know, he's forgot about me. I remember Dan Bowler. We were in Omaha. had a, had 600 people at a prophecy club meeting that night. He got up and he said, by a show of hands, how many of you found Jesus? Can I see your hand? Of course, all the hands went up. He said, no, you did not. He tackled you. He hogtied you. And he drug you into the kingdom. And since you had a second to think about it, that's exactly right, isn't it? And everybody went, oh, well, 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 yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Because I think about times, I can remember driving down the road, I thought, well, you know, he's, I'm probably never going to heaven now. Yeah. You been there? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm never going to heaven now. And he went and hogtied me and tackled me and drug me into the kingdom. Agape love, it chases you down. That's the definition of it. It seeks after you and it, chase, it chases you down. So I can't tell you how many times I have thanked him. I mean, there are people in the church I grew up in. I was thinking as I put the key. Let me pull it out. I'll show you. This is what I was thinking. When I put this key right there in that lock tonight as I opened this door, as I pulled that key out, I said, you know, there are people in the church I grew up in that would be shocked to find out Stan Johnson even had a key to a church. <laughs> Much less started it and was the pastor. But God, he does things for us. That's the reason a lot of times I start out a sermon, I say, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. It's not just a, a, many times when I go to my prayer closet, I say, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, because they are. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. We all look forward to the time once that glory hits us. Once we are outside of time and we step into eternity when we can look back and see everything Jesus has done, not just for us, but everybody going back to Adam when we see all of his works. That's the reason we cast our crowns at his feet. Fall at his feet. And say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We look around at our glorified body, our mantles, our crowns, the whatever. We're going to be so blessed. And that's the reason we have to come into a Bible study. And it's not easy. Sometimes... Kind of like that guy in that liar, liar movie when he was trying to make that pen right blue. <laughs> Why did it all break it off? That's the way it is. Sometimes we got to, you're going to go to Bible study. It's not easy to go. 
It's a lot of trouble. To, you know, the traffic, and by the way, if there's something going to go wrong, the, the toilet's going to back up. It's going to be back up when you're heading to Bible study. If you have a flat tire, you're going to have a flat when you're having the, going to the Bible study. If there's something going to go wrong in your life, it's keeping you out of that Bible study, keeping you out of, out of church. But just like right now, you feel the love of Jesus in your heart right now, right? Mm-hmm. That's confirming that you're doing the right thing by coming to the Bible study. Because Bible study is not about staying. It's not about Spirit of Prophecy Church. You're not helping Spirit of Prophecy Church. You're helping Jesus come into your heart more. And that's what you feel, love in the Bible study. Right now you feel it. Right? Yes. 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 He's confirming. You're hearing his word. You're supposed to be here. He's here with us. Okay. My nose is itching. Where were we? Okay, I'll back up 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father, and so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things saith he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore the disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can carry it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? What, and if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, They are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. So some of the people that were hanging around him still hadn't really believed. I remember one time we had been doing prophecy club meetings every month in Topeka, Kansas for probably 10 years. And just because I forced myself out of habit, I was always get up at the end of the meeting and give the opportunity to receive Jesus. There was only like... 30 people at the meeting that night. You know, not very many people. And I gave the altar call. Anybody want to receive Jesus? Okay, pray this prayer. How many just received Jesus? And a lady that had been coming to Bible, or to, to, to Prophecy Club meetings for probably every meeting for 10 years raised her hand. You know, you never know. You never know. You think that they've accepted Jesus, but you never know. I'm thinking, you mean all these times you've been coming here to Prophecy Club meetings, all these altar calls you'd resisted, and now you finally received Jesus? Scary. Okay. Let me read 63 again. It is the spirit that quickeneth. Okay, what's that saying? It's the sp- quickeneth means getting our, our, our glorified body. It's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. They are spirit, they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of the Father. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. He wrote my name in the book. He called me. I'm so glad he saved me. 
We have some questions whenever you're open for questions from online. Okay, I've got five or six more verses, then we'll, we'll do questions. I'm going to read it again. Therefore said I unto him, that no man can come unto me except it were given to him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. A lot of people walked away. I mean, just like Spirit of Poxy Church, I've seen some people come in and leave and walk. Well, you know, I have to minister to the ones that show up. Well, Stan, why don't you call them? Well, you know, I've discovered, I'll call them a time or two, but I've discovered if i got to chase them, it just continues to be a chase. They've got, they're supposed to be running after Jesus. Jesus will chase for a while, but there is a time in there that he just turns us over to a reprobate mind, and I don't want to get that close. I want to continue to chase him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Have not I chosen you twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Okay, questions. Uh, it looks like an online viewer is asking how often to take communion. How what? How, how often, often to take communion. The Bible doesn't tell us how often. I can tell you that when one of our congregation members moves into a house, we go out there, we anoint it with oil, we pour, do a salt covenant, we break unleavened bread, we pour um, uh, grape juice on all four corners of the land. Uh, we take communion. We all take communion. I, I can tell you that in, in dire situations, Leslie and I will take communion. Taking communion, if you wanted to, you could take it every day. You could take it twice a day, three times a day. There's not a limit to how often you can take the communion. But you have to take it not just as, okay, pass the bread, pass the grape juice. Okay, it's got to be that you understand that you're taking his body and his blood. It's got to be something reverence. Just like I was driving down the road one day and I was listening to some praise and worship music and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, you're not worshiping me. You're entertaining yourself. Wait a minute, I'm listening to, you know, to praise and worship music. He said, but praise and worship comes from the heart. It's not listening to someone else do praise and worship. It has to come from the Same thing with taking communion. It has to be from the heart. In, in my prayer closet, I can get in there and I can quote a lot of verses to him. And I have to watch and make certain that when I'm quoting a verse in my, my prayer closet, in my worship, I'm not quoting a verse. It's got to come from the heart. See what I'm saying? got to be from the heart. Same thing when we're taking communion. You can take it as often as you want to, which is why at our church, I want to take it just once a month because in the church that I grew up in, we took it every week. And I saw people, even me, so, you know, there was time, pass the potatoes, please. Okay, you know, <laughs> it's got to be something special. Worship, praise and worship, got to be something special. 
And I'll catch myself, even in here on Sundays, you know, I'm bang, banging the tambourines and I'm singing, and I catch myself not really worshiping. You know, those people are deaf. <laughs> they, if they're not deaf before they walk in, they're going to be deaf by the time the sermon is over. Another question. Okay. Another question. Um, I'm not sure if this is not, uh, exactly the topic, but if the dead come out of the earth, who is in heaven then? If, Say again. If the dead come out of the earth, who is in heaven then? Okay. Well, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's referring to the day that He comes. That for for the last feast of trumpets when he comes riding a white horse, his vengeance, and he comes to pour out the wrath of God. There are some people in different, there's different levels of hell and there's different levels of heaven. There are some people, okay, first of all, what is heaven? And uh, in what is the temple? Well, here, let, let, we got a Bible in front of us. Let's just turn there. Okay, let's see. It's 15. Revelation chapter 15. This is very distracting for me. I feel like going over knocking on the door of the church next door saying, can you, can you turn it down? You know, mm-hmm. just turn your mic down a little bit. Just, just, just a little bit. I could probably quote it with this blaring in my ears. I can't think straight. Okay. Revelation 15, uh, first of all, it starts out with it's a scene in heaven. And if you look, it says, uh, verse chapter, or verse 5, we're, we're in 15 5, Revelation 15 5. And after this, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. I cannot tell you how many times I had to say that. The temple of the tabernacle. To be able to say that. Temple of the tabernacle with the testimony in heaven was open. Because what, what is the temple of the tabernacle? Okay, apparently there is a temple in heaven because the things that are on, he- on earth are also repeated in heaven. And apparently there is a temple in heaven. And in that temple there is the Ark of the Covenant, which is the 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 box that holds the Ten Commandments. So when it says, where was it? Five, right? And behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. So there's apparently a temple that holds the testimony or the Ark of the Covenant in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded with the golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave it to the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. Is that distracting to you? Just a little bit. See, see women can, can get by with those distractions, but to us men, it's like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. It's hard for me to deal with. So, in case you folks online can't hear, we have a church next door, and the people are deaf. 
They turn the mic up really loud. They scream into the mic. We have a wall, but it needs to be about 45 feet thick for it to... So anyway, I'm, I'm trying to drown out the preaching next door. Okay, so... One of the four beasts gave to the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. Now, here's the point I was trying to make. And the temple was filled with smoke of the glory of God from this power. Here it is. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So there is a temple in heaven that no one has been allowed into. We have other places like Maurice Kalar was taken to heaven. We've had other people that have been taken to heaven and shown like Elijah. Demetri Dudeman was in heaven, is in heaven. He's come back to visit uh, Michael Boldea's grandson at least once. And so there's, there's different levels in, in heaven. There's different places in heaven as there are different levels of punishment in hell. So when we say heaven or they're in heaven, they're not in their glorified bodies yet. I believe that no one gets a glorified body until after Jesus has gone to stand in front of the Ancient of Days, where he's given a dominion, glory, and a kingdom, Daniel chapter 7, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed, where all people, nations, languages, and tongues shall serve and obey him, Daniel 7 says. And so until Jesus is brought in front of the Ancient of Days, or the Father, and until he is crowned and changes from Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah, changes from becoming the Prince of the Kings of the Earth, which he is now, to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and on his vesture and on his thighs a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And until he does that, he is not in his glorified body. He is yet to return to the earth on the feast of first fruits in a lamb body where he resurrects 144,000 one year old Jewish boys, walks around with them for 50 years. Then we go to the marriage supper of the lamb, but the marriage supper of the lamb, the what? 52 days. What did I say? Years. Well, thank you for not listening to what I said, but hearing what I meant. Okay. Yes, 50 days, not 50 years. 50, 50 days. Then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, he changes to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then four months later, on the Feast of Trumpets, when, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, they re, he returns down, and that's when he blows the glory down, and that's when... He lightens the earth, the, the heavens, the sun, the stars, the moons, all of that is dissolved because there's no light to compete with Jesus. Jesus is the only light. He is the light of the earth. And in him there is no darkness. And so until that moment takes place, no one has their glorified body because they get that glorified body from Jesus. And Jesus gets it when he is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We do not get it, I believe, even though we are given a white horse, we are given white wedding garments, white wedding garments, clean and white. We ride the armies in heaven and us 
We're riding on our white horse behind Jesus as he returns for the Feast of Trumpets for Armageddon to blow that glory down on the earth where he glorifies the earth and the heavens dissolve. The heaven rolls back like a scroll. That's all part of it. And at that moment, when he blows his glory down, then he enlightens all things that survive that enlightening. And many things do not. And that's when we get our glorified body. So until then, there's a lot of different levels of this existence, but he makes a new heaven and a new earth where dwelleth righteousness. And if you'll just go there, go to Revelation, was it uh, 20, 21, 21. And I saw a new heaven, Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven of the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. So the world we live in now, gone. Gone. At that point, there will not be another place out there called heaven. This will be heaven. Behold, I heard a, read it. And I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And that's where he sees. And behold, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Right? I heard a great voice from heaven. Uh, behold, the tabernacle of God had become, and he shall dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So the new Jerusalem comes down, and that is about 350 miles square. And I could go into that, but I'll, I'll skip that. And it sets down just south of what is today Jerusalem. And the only ones that get to go in there are people whose names are in the book of life those that keepeth his commandments. So at that point, we had to get our glorified bodies. We're into eternity. We never hunger again, thirst again, never sin again. And he saves the best wine for last. It will be eternity far better than we could possibly imagine. Eye has not seen. The mind of man has not conceived of what God has laid up for those that love him. It's going to be so good. You cannot imagine anything we have to suffer here on earth to just get that glorified body, even if we get there with no rewards. What was that? Uh, Howard Pittman, pastor down in Louisiana, came speak for Prophecy Club. And he said he died. And he said, when I died, I, you know, the angel came. He said, I want to talk to God. He said, talk. He's listening. <laughs> so Howard Pittman said, okay, well, I want to ask you for 15 more years like Hezekiah. He said, I was taken to the pearly gates. He said, I can assure you, he said, I looked up. And he said, when you're in eternity, when you're out of your body, you can hear forever. You can see forever. He said, I looked up as far as I could see and I could not see the top of those pearly gates. And he said, so then I, I began to talk to God. I said, God, I want 15 more years. He said, my face hit the floor. He said, I could not get my face off the floor. And God said, your works are dead. So pastor, hearing all of his works are dead. He said, what you did was for it wasn't for me. He said, you can come into heaven now. You don't have to go back. But 
All of your works will be gone. You will get no rewards. Now think about that. That gets your attention. He said, I said, no, I want to go back. He said, all right, and told him some things. And he straightened up his act, and he has a powerful testimony. So, I don't know why I was saying that. Did I answer the question? Um, yes, who is in heaven? We talked well, about... Because well, if Dimitri is in heaven, you know what I mean? So then, I, I don't know, that's how I thought the question was. It's like, who's in heaven if, if indeed they're all in the ground because they don't come back? Okay, home? well, there's there's different places, different levels. Uh, I, I talked to a... Before I got into ministry, I used to teach public speaking courses as you probably heard me talk about. And I talked to one of those guys that was an instructor of that course some years after I was in ministry. And we were we had lunch together and he said, By the way, I died. You died? He's yeah, he says, I just went in to just have something simple, you know, like a tonsillectomy or something like that, something simple. He said, But I died on the operating table. He said, I was dead for a couple of minutes, but they were able to bring me back. See, I've heard the testimony of like 38 different people that have died and been on the other side. So I can tell you a pretty good description of what it's like. So I said, what was it like? He said, well, for me, he said, I just drifted into a really, really deep sleep. He said, have you ever been asleep so deep you were going to get mad at somebody if they woke you up. He said, that's what it was like for me. Now, he's just kind of a marginal Christian. You know, I don't even think he'd ever been to a Bible study. He just kind of went to church here and there. But for him, it was just a deep sleep. And I think for a lot of people, that's what it is. It's just a deep sleep. I remember, but some of them, no, I mean, Dimitri, you know, he's still serving the Lord. So I, I, I don't know what the Lord's going to do. Some of us, yes. So when I first went there, some of the people, like, when I saw people, I just saw people walking around all these different directions, and it was orderly. They they seemed to know where they were going. Um, and they did have, like you said, the the white robes. They had white robes on, and they had sandals. Um, they had sandals on. And the, the floor was, that's what, I didn't know where I was, um, but I, I remember walking, I mean, I realized after, but I was walking, you know, just felt like this angel was leading me, and I remember looking down, because what struck me out of everything, I suddenly realized, I, I said, I can see through the floor, I can see through the floor, and I was thinking that, and I just kept looking at it, like, what is that? And it was it was clear, gold, and transparent with the people walking around but um it's it's like you said it with the bodies and the, the two different types of bodies that you get that's what happened how are we doing um, on time wow wow well we don't have enough time to go into a whole other chapter you only covered one chapter of course it was a long one 75 verses if we have one more 71 um, verses question if you have time okay go ahead um this person wanted to know more about the rapture and the morning star, which I know you could go on for days. <laughs> my heart's, my, my desire of my heart is to answer that question. But 
The real answer is you need to get this book. It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Obviously, this is someone that has not been with us too long, so let me explain. So in 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. Yes, the whole book. And I didn't think anything special was going to happen. Something special did start happening. I started getting revelations. means I started understanding things like I'd never seen. And I put those revelations into this book, and I got 30 revelations, two visions, and one audible voice. The audible voice said, the seven seals, I made these two charts, this chart and this chart, which is in the back of this book. The seven seals play over seven years, from here to here. The seven trumpets play over seven months. The seven vials play over the last seven days. One of the visions, which happened as I was in a conversation, I was talking at the time, but I got all of a sudden a download from eternity because I discovered in eternity there is no time. And even though I got a vision in the middle of a sentence, it, it takes me you know, a couple of minutes to explain what I got faster than you can blink an eye. But in that second, I saw... Here, this is a good way to explain to you. I saw two books about that far apart. And I saw, if this was a stick of butter, that's what I saw, except for it wasn't butter. It was like a time tunnel. This book was the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible, Matthew, or Matthew, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then I saw over here, Revelation, the book of Revelation. And this was a time tunnel and I was made to know that one word was a secret door linking the first five books of the Bible, specifically the feasts, to the prophecies of the book of Revelation. And I got all that in a split second. And I, got to, to, I, had, I was made to know that the word first fruits is linked to Leviticus 23.10 and to Revelation 14.4. And that word first fruits links the feasts to the prophecies of Revelation, which then can be correctly put in the correct chronological order. Now, I don't think I got it because I'm something special. I think I got it because you're something special. You, whether you know it or not, like it or not, or believe it or not, are living in the last days. Three people say that we are now in the tribulation. Vicky Goforth Parnell. Byron Surley, and Terry Bennett, all three of which I believe hear from God and are credible. And if we are in the tribulation, then a lot of things are starting to happen that now happen normally if you're in the tribulation. Anyway, back to that. This book will help you to understand what was the question again now? Uh, more about Revelation and the Morning Star. Explain ah, more. In this book, I explain it more in detail. So, as far as the rapture was one of them. Okay, so we may as well just go to those verses and, and I, can, I can kill the rapture pretty quick. It, uh, it's a misunderstanding of Scripture. It started like back in the 1800s. Some lady, I think her name was Baxter, right? Baxter said God, when she was sick, she said God told her that this is the understanding of the Scriptures. And of course, the flesh likes that. I think it was of the devil. And so they misunderstand those scriptures. 
So let me just kill the pre-trib rapture. I love killing it. So let me just take you to the three best verses in the Old Testament that killed the pre-trib rapture. Job 14. Job 14. Verse 12. Ah, Job. See, i got to go back and refresh my Old Testament. I should be able to find it a lot faster than that. Job 14.12. You got it? Yeah. Now lay it down, rises not till all this. Mm-hmm. Ah, here we go. I got it. Got it. Thank you. Okay. Job 14.12. Got it? Job 14.12. Got it? Okay. Now, who's Job? Well, the three greatest servants of the Old Testament are Noah, Job, and, and Daniel. Moses was not because he broke, he didn't do what God told him to do one time. These guys were the greatest. Job was one of them. So it says, So man lieth down, and riseth not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Okay, what's he talking about? So when man lieth down, in other words, when he dies and he is, when he's buried, he does not come out of the grave until the heavens be no more. Okay, well, when is that the heavens be no more? That's when they dissolve the stars, the sun, the moon. All of that dissolves when the heaven rolls back like a scroll. And that happened when Jesus, in eternity, when eternity enters into time, it rolls the heaven back like a scroll. That's when he blows the morning star down. It goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. It cleanses the earth of all sin in a moment in the twinkling of eye at the last trump. As it hits the tares, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. And as it hits us, we get our glorified body. Out of our belly flows the rivers of living water. The sun never relights again. It went out 72 hours before in the 5th. Vial, yes. The sun goes out in the fifth vial, which is 72 hours before Jesus returns, and it never relights ever, ever again. Jesus literally becomes the light of the world. So that means that no one is coming out of the grave until Jesus returns, except those that are allowed to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, those that are ready. So it says, So man lieth down and rises not till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave and wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be passed. Wait a minute, Stan. It just said that no one comes out of the grave until the, the heavens be no more. So how do you get going to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Because Job never had the opportunity to receive Jesus. Job was, he will appear at the Feast of Atonement. At this one right here. He appears here. We get our judgment here. Those that are in Christ get our judgment here. And if you get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, you you already know you're saved. You already know that uh, you're not going to be hit or touched by the second death. You do not get your crowns or rewards. The only thing you get when you go to the marriage supper of the Lamb is just a white wedding garment. 
Four months later, you get a horse to ride with Jesus returned back. And then when he returned, when he releases the morning star on the earth, that's when we get our glorified body. All gets it. Then, 10 days later out here, those people that never had the opportunity to receive Jesus, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the devil judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. The sea gave it the dead would turn them, and death and hell delivered up the dead would turn them. And they were judged, every man according as his work. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. These people are judged according to their works. The works written in books. We are judged according to whether we accepted Jesus or not. Two different judgments. This is judgment by fire. This is judgment by books. He's judged by the books. That's the reason I said that. Now let's go back to 13. O thou that wouldest hide me in the grave, and then thou wouldest keep me uh, secret until thy wrath be passed. Now what's the wrath? The wrath is that morning star that comes down and hits the sinners. They fall to the ground, pile of ashes and bones. And for those of us washed in the blood, we get our glorified body. That's the wrath be passed. And that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. When is that change? First Thessalonians 4.16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, over to your right. We don't need to come back to Job again. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. What is the change? And I sent you to the wrong verse. Hold that place, we'll come back to that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15.51. 1 Corinthians 15.51. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians if you got it. 1 Corinthians 15.51. 1 Corinthians 15.51. This is why you go to a Bible study. Now, I'm about to show you that change that will come. <clears throat> Ready? Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall, not all be, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Changed. What's the change? The change was when the morning star hits us and we get our glorified body. That's the change. We should all be changed. How long? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, when? At the last trump. How many trumps are there? There are seven trumps or seven trumpets. So this is at the last trumpet or here on the Feast of Trumpets. Here. Get the book. Uh, the best deal is go to prophecyclub.com. They have a $100 special. You get 40 books. Five different books, a total of 40 copies. You get like Ten copies of each one of the five books or something like that. It's 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 $100 special. That's what it is. I think you get 40 bucks. 40 bucks for 100 bucks. That's the best deal. And you get like ten copies of that one. Anyway, behold, I show you, Mr. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. In other words, you never see it again, never die again, never hunger, never thirst again. Incorruptible. And we shall be changed. We get our glorified body. For this corruptible, this body that dies and sins, must put on incorruption. 
And this mortal, this body that dies, must be given an immortal or a glorified body. So that when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying as written, Death shall be followed up in victory. That's our victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory of getting a glorified body through Jesus Christ. He is our victory. And that happens on the Feast of Trumpets. So, this whole misunderstanding of... Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14... Excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Let me show you. The, there's, there's this, and then there's one other place that will kill the pre-trib rapture. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. We're going to get us some... We, we can bring speakers in here and be real loud too, but we're not. I need to, I need to visit over the pastor and say, Look, can you, can, you, can you just turn it down a little bit, you know? 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. That's him blowing the trumpet and the feast of trumpets. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. They all come out of the grave. Then we three are alive and remain, shall be caught up to the Lord, meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So, this is at the last trumpet, the, the seventh trumpet. Now, let's go to Revelation. Where is it? It's hard for me to think with that going on. Busts my thinking up. Where is it? Let's see. Uh, If it wasn't going on, I could quote it. It's messing me up. Uh, Watch ye therefore, no, perilous. Not watch ye. Watch your garments that they, they, they. Armageddon. Armageddon. I'm looking for the word Armageddon. It's the, the only place in Revelation that says Armageddon. I, I can't think for this. This is messing me up. Is it 16? Yes, yes. Behold, I come as a thief. There it is. That's what I was trying to remember. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed are they uh, which watcheth and keepeth their garments, lest they walk naked and they see his shame. Then, so this is Jesus saying, I come as a thief. So this is when he's about to come. The very next words are, and he gathered them into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So if there was a pre-trib rapture and he had raptured out the Christians at this point, why would he be saying, watch it? Blessed are they which watcheth. Behold, I come thing, blessed are they that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Who is the people who have garments? That would be the Christians. So there's Christians still here Armageddon. Wait a minute. Well, I thought we went to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We do. 
But not everybody gets to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Only those that are ready. Got to be ready. So, is there any other questions? Did you enjoy the Bible study? We only covered one chapter, but we covered a bunch, didn't we? That's a lot in that chapter. A lot of really deep stuff in that chapter. Don't be a foolish version. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for opening the scriptures to us. Thank you for helping us to understand them. Thank you for your blood sacrifice, for writing our name in the book of life. And Lord, we ask you to bring in more people into the Spirit of Prophecy Church such as should be added. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. If there's no other questions, then... What do you